brought to you by CGTN Europe. Hello and welcome to this week's Razor podcast. I'm Shini Somara. And I'm Emma Keeling. Coming up in this edition of Razor, I take a look at a new green technology inspired by nature. So right now we have a system which can uh, take sunlight and CO2 and water and use this to produce fuels. And I spend time on a hydrogen boat. The, the, the reef themselves automatically, it has to be fully automatic, otherwise the maritime community will never take it. So are you out of a job with this? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. Sounds fun. Ah, oh, Razor, saving the planet one story at a time. One of the reasons we need more trees is because of photosynthesis. This is a process through which plants make their own food, but it's now also able to help us get rid of excess carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. It's a vital process, but one of the misconceptions about it is that it's just about plants creating oxygen, which isn't the case. It's about plants taking energy from the sun and storing it chemically. Yes, exactly. And that's why the next story is so important. I went to speak to Virgil Andre from Cambridge University's Department of Chemistry. Well, we are basically mimicking nature. So right now we have a system which can uh, take sunlight and CO2 and water and use this to produce fuels. And um, basically follows a similar principle and we are also working on ways of developing this even further to make it look even more like an actual leaf. This is a very important proof of principle that you can actually make syngas using just the basic components that, you would, that plants would use for photosynthesis. So water, CO2, um, light and our devices work in the same way so they can mimic photosynthesis by um, converting these small uh, molecules into something useful. So Shani can you just help me get this straight in my head so we have these artificial leaves but they don't really resemble leaves they're more like little black electronic coasters so how will this technology be deployed okay well that's a big question first of all it's not about how it looks that makes them like leaves it's about how they function and so they are doing exactly what nature does which is just absolutely mind-blowing because they take yeah they take inspiration from the way leaves take oxygen carbon dioxide and sunlight and convert that into chemical energy. And so these black electronic coasters, um, which are really tiny, by the way, are proving the concept that we can copy what leaves do. Right, right, okay. So we're not gonna be planting leaves and trees anytime soon. (laughs) Um, That actually could be possible one day, but they're just trying to prove that they can actually create some kind of chemical energy using these little bits of technology. How big is that coaster? Tiny. I mean, it would fit on a fingertip. It's a very small mug. Okay, so Virgil also mentioned syngas there. So how does that fit in with this whole process? So syngas are... So when we were there in the lab, we saw these bubbles being generated by these little chips. And the bubbles are syngas. And that was really exciting the technologists there because... By proving that they can create the syngas, what they want to do one day is be able to bottle that gas. Because with any kind of energy generation, you want to be able to contain it. Because with most renewable energy, 
when it's generated, it has to be used straight away. And the biggest problem with renewable energy is not being able to store it. So this technology is going to solve the problem of storing renewable energy. Fabulous. So, uh, and we're using a, a natural process to do that. So what's the sticking point? Why are we still so far away from this technology being everyday reality? I hope it's not money. Don't tell me it's money. Well, it's always money, isn't it? <laughs> it is we find money. that every time we do a story. <laughs> but in this particular story, it's more about trying to scale up um, because all of the technology we saw was so tinsy tiny. And, you know, we're all getting very excited about something that's almost microscopic. But to be able to create, to be able to scale this technology up so that it's actually usable will take time. I spoke to Professor Reisner to learn a little more about it. So how far away are we from pumping liquid fuel that your process has created into our cars? I think it's probably decades away and the reason is because the scaling challenge. So us and many other groups develop processes that operate on a very small scale. But even if this process become very efficient and scalable, just the engineering aspects are extremely challenging. We talk now from transitioning from a couple of bubbles or drops of fuel to really megatons and this will take a significant amount of time. But it's not impossible and it could really provide a solution to replacing fossil fuels then? Oh, I'm, I'm very convinced there's a possibility. So I really think, believe it depends on commitment, investment and the global community working together to make this a reality. What are the disadvantages of your technology? The disadvantage today is that it does not work at an economic level. So this means we look at a technology that will be used or could be used in a decade plus which means not all of the companies embrace it fully. So it's more like a, on the way of a sustainable economy, two steps or three steps away of what we can really do today. Is there a lot of competition in this area or are these guys the only ones working on this? Do you know what? I, I do very geeky things like go to lectures and, 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 <laughs> and find out about what's going on in this kind of space and other spaces. And, Having gone to a lecture, I realized that quite a few people are doing a lot of research in this area of trying to copy nature. Mm. But everyone has their own little take on it. Yeah. And so what they're doing is very unique to their research department. Mm -hmm. But everyone's kind of chipping away at the same idea. Yeah. And so, yes, there are other people doing something similar, but to actually execute it in this particular way is very unique to the University of Cambridge. The maritime industry is one of the major contributors to pollution worldwide, with over 90% of the world's trade by sea. That's true. They also create between 2 and 3% of the world's total greenhouse gas emissions. Mm -hmm. But one boat is looking to change that. The crew from the Energy Observer is on a six-year mission around the world using solar, wind, hydrogen and battery power in an effort to find a greener way. I spoke to the engineer Louis-Noël Vivier to find out a bit more. The, the objective is to be able to provide a system that can be managed by any kind of crew, even in you know, Indonesia, in Africa, in whatever. If we need to have full-time engineers on board, it's a waste of time. You know, it has to be fully automatic, like the ocean wings. You know, they, they, they rotate 360 degrees, they, they, they reef themselves automatically. It has to be fully automatic, otherwise the maritime community will never take it. You know? So are you out of a job with this? Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we need some time, you know, to, to now to simplify, because you see that in the, in the system we have many, many sensors. Um, we produce a lot of data today. 
and but by the end of the year we will announce some new developments and it will be much more simple much more you know affordable too uh, and the idea is to is to adapt the hydrogen and the and this uh, energetic mix to um, uh, the, the, the 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 biggest audience you know the biggest uh, communities of users uh, fishermen uh, passenger boats um, service boats even super yachts you know the idea is to is to convince the vast majority of the uh, maritime uh, community that it is simple and affordable actually and very safe wait is that one boat doing all of those things solar wind hydrogen all at the same time all mm -hmm. on its own mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's pretty cool when you actually because it is it is just looks like a normal boat except he's got these pretty cool sails which which look like two aeroplane wings standing upright on either side of the boat oh. but they they do operate um sort of yeah just like an aeroplane wing, they turn from, from side to side, catch the wind. It also helps them steer, which is pretty incredible. You've got, he's got a, um, a steering wheel, but he's also got a little joystick. So the captain can sort of dodge around through, say, you know, icebergs, etc. He said, yeah. He said, there I was. I was, you know, sitting there at the wheel. Everybody else had gone to bed, and I had my little joystick. And he said he was just manoeuvring easily between all the icebergs. But the other thing is that, obviously, it's covered in solar panels. Some of them you can walk on. Some of them you can't, and they're testing all these different ones to see which ones you know do the best. Uh, but then they've got um, a desalination plant in one of the hulls. It's a catamaran, one <laughs> desalination plant. They've got battery, big battery storage, and then on the deck they've got these big hydrogen bottles as well. Is this boat absolutely ginormous to accommodate all of that technology? No, it's. Uh, I'm just trying to think how. You, I knew you were going to ask me how long the boat was, and I'm trying to think now. I think what 35. 40 foot. It's not. It's not that big. Yeah. I mean, they've got a what three or four cabins on uh, on you know on board. Um, but no, the hulls have all the technology. But again, these guys are, are trying to um, make the system more efficient so it can fit in smaller places. But you know, they can't store lots of water on board. So you know, desalination plant to you know feed all the different systems that have to be. Right. It's it's a really green boat and very comfy. And you were on the Thames, right? So it couldn't have been that big. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. I know it's gone all around the world, but you met them. <laughs> well, there's lots of little boats on the Thames too, but no, it was. Uh, but yeah, they've been they've been everywhere, and um, yeah, we didn't have any wind. Typical London, grey day, no wind, and the captain said, "Well, oh, did it grind to a halt then?" Well, no, because because the, as they're moving along by, with the use of the of the um, solar panels or with the um, wings, they've got options. They've got options. They can store it, and they can have the, a long term storage in the hydrogen um, bottles, or they can have the the long the shorter term storage in the in the batteries, or or vice versa. So there's a computer on board that, that says, right. We're going to take all the energy we can. We're going to store it in this place or this place. And then when it comes time where you're, we're on the Thames, we need a bit of energy, the computer will decide where to take that from. Is there space for anything else on that boat? Oh, yeah, there was a kitchen. We had a nice cup of They even had a little coffee machine. What? I said, don't tell me we've got the water out of the Thames for this, please. And was <laughs> and the coffee had... machine powered by solar? No, oh, yeah, everything, everything was powered by, yeah, everything Amazing. on board. Yeah, it was a very clever, very clever boat. Sounds like the Energy Observer is quite a small ship and it's looking to set a target for the entire maritime industry. Is it possible to scale that up to a more commercially viable size? And if so, how far away are we from that? Uh, money? <laughs> I mean, I guess what these guys are trying to do is prove that this technology works um, and it's clean and it's green and it's possible. But I guess if you're looking at those big container ships that, you know, go through the sea and they've got, you know, dirt and awful oil that you, they're using to power themselves, what these guys are saying is they could actually run the systems on board 
with solar and battery and wind, and then maybe the motor, the big, big, big motors to, to you know, run that could be could be run by you know the typical power or oil, mm. diesel, whatever. So what they're saying is that you know smaller boats can definitely take all this on board, um, but maybe with the bigger ships, they need to first maybe put the services onto this green stuff, and then when the technology right. catches up then they'll be able to run motors of the size around those containers. It's quite amazing because you can get hydrogen from desalinating water mm -hmm. and if ships are on water, mm -hmm. there's a huge amount of hydrogen. So, yeah, people are concerned about hydrogen because, you know, they're worried it's going to explode, aren't yeah, they? You always <laughs> think of the Hindenburg. Exactly, yes. Um, but it's already on buses, isn't it? I mean, yeah, buses are running, cars are running on it. So what they're doing on, on board the boat, the, the tanks are on deck because there are a lot of regulations that need to come into the maritime industry for all these things to you know, be ticked off a list. So these guys have got the tanks on the deck, but they've also got sensors all over them just in case anything happens, they immediately know to shut that bit of, of tech down. But they've also got a little chimney so that if, if anything does go and a flame goes up, instead of just going spurt straight all over their very fancy wings and putting them up and you know, making it like a giant torch. Um, it will actually go through this little chimney and push it further past the wings themselves. But they Wait, so the wings are full of hydrogen? No, no, the wings are just normal sort of wings, sails, which you know, are manoeuvred around by uh, the wind. But if the hydrogen explodes, they've got this little chimney that will push the hydrogen past the wings so it won't actually ignite. So the ship is more than just being powered by green energy. It's efficient enough that one person can take care of it. And I spoke to the captain, Victorian Erusad, to find out more. With, with this ocean wings, we have an automatic mode. And uh, it's a good solution because uh, you can manoeuvring this boat only one. In uh, Spitsberg, I have sailed uh, only one a night, a complete night, uh, when the crew uh, were sleeping. The condition uh, were strong because uh, we, we had uh, 40 knots. Uh, the temperature was very cold, two degrees. I was only one on the bridge and it was uh, very easy to maneuver. It's kind of quite amazing because I love sailboats. The idea that, you know, and we were using sailboats back in the day when we were just using the power of the wind to get about. And so the idea that this boat is going back to nature and kind of using the sun, using the wind, it's kind of almost romantic. Yeah, but you've also probably remember when you've been on the yacht and there's no um, wind, what do you have to do? You have to motor. And so that takes that part out of it. You can just you know, charge up the old uh, battery or the hydrogen and away you go. That's it for this week. If you want to watch the films from this week's episode, go to cgtn.com Europe and click on Razor. Thank you so much for listening. We'll, well, I guess we'll talk to you again another week.